0: Hello everyone and welcome on the Truly Mojo podcast and you're listening to Joel Fernandez, your host on the show. We're here today with another edition on startups where we'll be talking about launching and scaling of startups. Our guest on the show is a startup consultant and an advisor, an entrepreneur, an investor. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting to you Joel Michael. Welcome, Joel Michael, on the Truly Mojo podcast. I'm very excited to have you on the show. And uh, what a coincidence, our names are the same.
1: Absolute pleasure, Joel. Uh, Happy to be a part of the show.
0: Great, great, great. Also, the other coincident part is that uh, our brother's names are the same, (laughs) Jason. Yes. I must say, what a coincidence. (laughs) Okay, so we've known each other from Pune back in the days when we were part of the St. Patrick's youth group, yeah? Yes. Yes, I was, was uh, 16, and, 16 years ago. Right, right, right. And uh, so you are a startup consultant, an entrepreneur, an investor. You worked with Hyperloop Transportation and Technologies uh, as, the, as the country had and with few other startups as well. You've been a mentor, uh, CEO of a couple of uh, startup organizations. Uh, yep. uh, talk us through this. Tell us your story, Joel.
1: Uh, well as as glamorous as it probably sounds uh, it's a typical boy next door story I right. came from a small town as you probably aware uh, Pune, Pune. Yeah. right and uh, I moved to Dubai like everybody else does but just aspirations and uh, right. you know a big dream correct and uh, like they say Dubai you know when you're here, uh, you don't really choose your first job. Your Correct. first job chooses you. And Aye. it's about getting your first foot into the door. Aye. And I did that. I started off with um, events. And uh, I spent a good two years in the exhibitions and conferences uh, industry across UAE. Okay, And um, over this time, I... Sort of uh, focused on building the core relationships in the in the region, and I had uh, you know the fortunate um, experience of meeting good people. So I had great relationships with uh, people in local governments, um, local uh, corporates that were influential in the region, Mm -hmm. um, local investors, uh, people who participated at my events. And through this, I came across um, the founders of uh, HTT, which is Hyperloop Transportation Technologies. This company, basically at that point, um, this is somewhere around seven years ago, okay. was uh, the leading company to take the Elon Musk white paper right. and uh, pursue uh, the the mission of bringing Hyperloop to reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, they met me um, at my event. They were um, exhibitors at the event. And uh, back then, like most Startups these days, you know, it's a Silicon Valley U.S. dream to build the next uh, big tech startup. Um, right. and that's what the, the perception at least is. Correct. But um, given my my time here in the region, I think other than how Dubai is perceived as the largest, fastest, greatest, you know, um, sort of a region in everything in terms of buildings, in terms of cars and speed and whatever it might be. Right. The country also positions itself um, as one of the the ecosystems for fostering entrepreneurship, True. and innovation. And I think uh, the export twenty twenty is um, the the biggest testimony to it. Yeah. Um, if you remember when we were you know back in the day looking forward to the countdown of the votes, yeah. it was uh, was a clean sweep in terms of uh, the total percentage of the population across the globe that voted for Dubai to host. Uh, the expo. Right. And uh, because of this, um, I spoke with uh, the founders and, you know, I believed that uh, mm-hmm. this region could very well be the world's first Hyperloop uh, host. Right. Uh, primarily because um, there's one visionary who who runs this place and mm-hmm. uh, he is purely driven towards making sure this place has a legacy right. that is going to last for generations to come. Right. And because of that vision, um, there is scope to um, create an environment that can foster innovation and uh, build technologies that are, um, you know, unimaginable. Right. And uh, Hyperloop is um, such um, a concept, Mm -hmm. which is uh, not just concept, but pretty much um, reality in the near future. Okay. And, um, you know... um, If I'm going to elaborate a little bit more about the Hyperloop for the audience uh, that sort of has just seen about it in the media or probably doesn't know much about it. So Hyperloop um, is not a very new concept. It's basically been around for decades. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've probably seen it in the cartoon uh, like the Jetsons and you've seen it in, uh, you know, the back in time movies as well. And... um, the concept came to, to light when Elon Musk spoke about it for the first time and said, uh, this is reality. Mm-hmm. And he coined the term uh, Hyperloop, right. which basically meant uh, tube travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the current day, we have uh, four modes of transportation. One is your railway, your waterways, your airways, mm-hmm. and your roadways. Right. And uh, Hyperloop essentially is your fifth mode of transportation, which is basically tube travel. And uh, which obviously means you need to uh, create uh, a new regulation because it fits to a certain degree as what a railway would. Mm -hmm. It fits to a certain degree as what an airplane would. But it's not. It's its own mode of transportation through maglev, which is magnetic levitation inside a controlled environment. And uh, for all of this... The region here, could it couldn't get better because these are the kind of people who will create a regulation for you to sort of ensure that this thing becomes reality in the most efficient amount of time.
0: Okay, Joel. And I'd like to move on into uh, startups. Yeah, uh, Could you tell us more about launching as well as uh, scaling a startup?
1: Yes. So um, they say everybody has a great idea, right? And there's few people who have the courage to do something about it and to execute on that idea. And uh, a startup is primarily a great idea, um, which a bunch of people came together to make reality. And um, in the launch phase of a startup, while most people think it's, uh, it's a huge gamble and it's a huge risk, um, I think every risk has a, has, a, has a great payout if done right. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest risk is a risk not taken. True. So um, you know, for me, if you have a great idea with a with a great mission, with um, the with the right reasons, of course, um, and you're able to bring the right people together, you can you can get a startup off the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, contrary to what most people believe, um, you don't necessarily, especially in the current day and age. Need to disconnect from your current job, or or sort of, you know, um, take that hundred percent leap of faith into a startup, because not everybody has the same circumstances. You know, people have different, um, different um, aims in life and different yeah. circumstances. So if you're if you have your priorities towards certain responsibilities for bills to pay, sure. you can very well still keep um, your job and something that that adheres to all of those requirements. Right. And spend a couple of hours after work or late into the night, and still pursue a dream towards building your startup yeah. and uh, I think um with the way the trend is shifting, for example, nobody ever if you if you told someone uh, a parent um ten years ago that you're going to put your daughter in in a in a car with a complete stranger and send her you know to to wherever she wants to go, uh, they'd think you're crazy yeah. And then came Uber, right? And today, people prefer Uber to the normal te- taxi guy.
0: Yeah.
1: So you know, um, it's the same with with Airbnb. You know, if you mm-hmm. if you spoke about living in a complete stranger's bedroom um, a couple of years ago, it just one could not perceive that idea. But today, it's the most convenient option that there is if you're traveling, right? Yeah. So I think, like I said earlier, a startup is just a great idea where someone thought it was crazy enough uh, to disrupt what the current norm of a thought process would be. And um, I think the the success to, to launching a startup is to find um, the right people. I think um, there are three people that I think um, could form... Uh, my, my, my model to it or my formula to it is to have uh, three people Okay. One is um, a tech person who understands tech and can sort of uh, take a great idea and make it um, actionable. Right. One is the person uh, who, is, um, who understands design and who understands colors, look, feel, and how one perceives something visually. Because mm-hmm. it has to be um, something that is appealing to someone. And the third person is the person who has the vision and who sees something scaling to something huge in a couple of years and who sticks to that vision and is able to guide people to not just believe in that vision but follow it in an actionable manner. With this three-person formula, in some cases it's two people because some people play multiple roles. But uh, this done right, uh, I think, is, is the first step towards ensuring, um, you know, putting a startup in its place to get an idea towards reality.
0: Okay. So that's all about startup. But when you want to scale a startup, take us through that as well.
1: Yes. So um, a lot of people, you know, statistically, um, 90% of startups fail. Right. Uh, because they just don't launch correctly, you know. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of great ideas where uh, people have tried something, but it's either not been with the right team, or it's not been at the right time, in the right geography, or mm-hmm. multiple other factors, which okay. you know um, that also contribute to a great idea. But um, the ten percent who get it right, they are able to launch. And for a lot of people, a successful launch is securing investment. Okay. Um, just because of you know how media portrays startups today where people talk about um you know how much money a startup has raised or how oh, yeah. you know successful founders are sort of directly um you know their they, sort their success is measured by the amount of funding uh, they're yeah. able to pick up from the market but um it's great that you can pick up investment but if you don't utilize the funds in the right manner you're never going to scale right <laughs> And uh, I think um, the best startups are those who delay the fundraising as much as they can mm-hmm. and are able to to launch with the minimal amount of uh, capital required. Nice. I think um, bootstrapping is completely underrated. I think bootstrapping is the way um, people used to do it in the earlier days. Yeah, back in the days. Yeah. And uh, it was a lot of hustle a lot of grind and uh, people were known because um, of uh, the way they started bootstrapping with the right people not just the amount of funding they raised so i think in if i had a formula for this i'd say between your initial founding team um, you should be able to build whatever your idea or product is to be able to get to the first hundred thousand dollars in revenue okay and then look at funding and if that is done right, um, then your scalability is, you're on the right track for, for scaling in a similar formula. Okay. Because if your founding team can't get you to the first 100K, something's missing in your founding team. So, um, you know, raising capital to hire the team to just build it initially, I, I wouldn't say that's the right way to go. Okay. And uh, what happens again is when people raise money um, after, they tend to, to position themselves Um, As this successful startup who's hired tons of employees and who has uh, multiple offices and who have uh, pool tables and fancy coffee machines and uh, all the perks and benefits for the employees because, again, um, the PR and the media positions that as successful. But I think um, if you're able to keep a tap on um, sticking to the vision, like I said, and ensuring the funds are allocated in the right manner, in the right way, with the right team, and not necessarily um, investing all your capital towards what is perceived rather than focusing on product Mm -hmm. and ensuring capital is allocated towards bettering the product and continuous improvement. I personally am a, I'm a huge fan and student of uh, Six Sigma, which was a uh, concept uh, from Motorola, which yeah. is uh, continuous improvement uh, on quality and time efficiency. And I think, um, as you know, for a lot of people, it's an outdated um, concept and approach, but I still think it's it's very relevant in, in how startups should do uh, business. Okay. So, um, yeah, to summarize, I think uh, scaling up is is as important as your launch. You need to still spend um, the dollar with, with equal amount of thought.
0: Right, right. And uh, could you tell us about uh, accelerators and incubators?
1: So um, incubators, um, like the name suggests, uh, it's an incubation phase for okay. a startup. Okay. So um, not everybody who has a great idea is qualified to run a company. Right. And an incubator basically works with early stage founders who have a great idea, and it's um, it's like a short uh, boot camp, mm-hmm. and they help you um, build a company around your idea. So they help you, um, you know, create a, what is called in the startup world an MVP, which is a minimal viable product, which okay. is the most basic version of your idea. It could be an app, it could be a website, it could be, uh, you know, a working model of a a prototype of a product. It's basically to show um, what your idea is all about. It's your proof of concept. So an incubator helps you accomplish that um, anywhere between four to eight weeks, in some cases, 12 weeks, uh, again, depending on what your idea is, and helps you you know, they mentor you, they guide you, Mm -hmm. um, they introduce you to successful um, other founders who can sort of, um, you know, guide you and help your business plan get more sharpened um, in a way. Um, Ultimately reaching to demo day. Demo day is the day which is um, in, in the best reference shark tank where you, you pitch your startup to a bunch of uh, potential investors Mm -hmm. to secure that initial round of funding to basically get your mvp to a fully functional um working model right so that's what an incubator does mm-hmm. so it it helps you with your your launch phase right it helps you basically get your um product off the ground with some money an accelerator is your scale phase it basically like the word says it accelerates right your startup so when you want to go, uh, your initial funding is either a seed round or a pre-seed round. You know, again, mm-hmm. as the name suggests, it's the first seed mm-hmm. of investment. Your Series A is what an accelerator helps you accomplish, which is basically get your your next slightly bigger chunk of money. Okay, to probably scale from ten clients to a hundred clients, mm-hmm. or from you know one city to ten cities, or from uh, you know one tech person. Sitting and coding sixteen hours a day to a three-person tech team who can sort of assist him and get more efficient. Right. So that's what an, what an accelerator does. It just um, it's your your master's degree to a graduation.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, you've been working with uh, and handling uh, startups for the Middle East and other regions. Uh, how is the progress and growth of startups in this region?
1: Oh, it's fantastic. I think um, the region is. Um, Completely aware of the fact that they want to transition um, from being perceived as this country that thrives only on its oil reserves Mm -hmm. or uh, is just fully focused on tourism. So they want to position themselves um, very evidently as something as if not equal, but something on the on the lines of a Silicon Valley for the region. Because um, they're not focused, if you see recently with the likes of a Kareem or a Talabat or, you know, multiple startups like this have been acquired um, from similar bigger startups like an Uber or, um, you know, multiple um, startups from the Valley and from Europe or uh, even Asia, you know, have come here now. Um, there are great benefits in terms of your um, your tax benefits and uh, multiple local um, accelerators, incubators in the region. There are several funds that have, um, you know, structured themselves here over the last couple of years to help uh, fuel the right amount of money for these startups to scale. Aye. On the other front, uh, the government is extremely involved. Mm-hmm. So when we were bringing Hyperloop to the region... Uh, members from the RTA, uh, which is the Road Transport Authority, from mm-hmm. the Department of Transportation, um, from the Federal Transport Authority, from the likes of uh, DP World and uh, even your Diva, were very much present with us in the same building, yeah. um, if not on a day-to-day, at least on a weekly basis, to sort of um, you know have continued conversation with us to ensure that innovation in this region was not just a PR stint, but was, yeah. you know, applicable to what the current regional problems were. And uh, it's it's on every front. For example, you know, um, the Middle East, with its current geographical um, limitations, um, can't really, and, and climate limitations, can't really produce a lot of its uh, crop. And food, mm-hmm. uh, we import a lot of food here, right. uh, just because of the, the region and its position. But um, in in the last uh, two years, uh, they've grown coffee and rice and, you know, uh, a lot of crops regionally because of right. um, innovation and farming. Right. And um, so it's it's very focused on ensuring problems are solved. Uh, I'm sure you're reading a lot about cloud seeding. Right. And uh, how they're sort of trying to regulate the temperature where it's beneficial to people mm-hmm. one of the the biggest advantages of the region has been um solar panels because uh, it's just got so much supply of uh, of the sun right oh, yeah. and uh, they're all out to capitalize on it so um a lot of the the initiatives now are driving uh, the use of a green sustainable um initiatives in the region so Mazdar yeah. uh, was sort of incorporated with the sole purpose of making the region more sustainable right. and uh, even something like a diva now um, is completely focused on uh, electric vehicles right. um, you know the fact that uh, tesla has such a prominent presence here as well as uh, other startups in the electric uh, space coming to set right. up uh, operations here is is a is a testimony itself
0: all right Collaborations, uh, they play a very important role in the startup ecosystem. Uh, talk us through that.
1: Yes, so uh, I believe um, you know startups aren't about disrupting uh, alone. You, you don't necessarily need to go to an industry and approach it with um, the intention to kill the existing industry or replace the existing industry entirely. Okay. I think there are ways um, to do it uh, through collaboration in a more effective manner as well. So, um, let me give you a real life experience, okay. uh, based on why I see this being, um, a more effective solution. Okay. Uh, when we, we were doing Hyperloop about five years ago in, in the UAE and, uh, we had a competitor called, uh, Virgin Hyperloop one. And, uh, you know, we, we were talking to several governments here as HTT and so was the, uh, the competition and, uh, when I had conversations with the RTA and uh, DOT and several um, you know, acquaintances that I had uh, formed friendships with in these government entities, I could understand why it was difficult for them to make a decision of this nature, because they weren't just getting pitched by two Hyperloop companies who, at that point, were pretty much a concept, because, you know, we had nothing built. right? Uh, so there was no validation for these government entities who basically had to take a decision for the country and uh, on on you know at the same time these people were also getting pitched by drones and flying taxis and electric vehicles and you know probably yeah. um, balloons floating over to be uh, who claimed to be uh, the future of transportation right. and um, you know i think We've heard and read so much about everybody wanting to connect Dubai and Abu Dhabi in the fastest way. You know, Hyperloop says nine minutes. um, Skyway says 15 minutes, but cheaper. Um, You know, I'm sure um, there's a super fast car that wants to come here and say, you know, we can do it even quicker and, you know, more convenient uh, or, you know, more sustainable. So there's there's all of these people coming here. But I think that uh, maybe one isn't the solution. Maybe um, you could look at Dubai to Abu Dhabi being connected through multiple modes of transportation and being a multimodal solution. Right. Maybe fifty percent of the route is best solved with a hyperloop, which then possibly connects to a skyway, yeah. which then maybe connects to a uh, you know an electric car uh, yeah. on an on a completely automated track, which then possibly connects to a flying taxi of Uber. Right. And which then has electric scooters for the last lanes, uh, the last mile. Yeah, the last leg, yeah. So, you know, uh, I think if it was looked at as a collaborative approach, mm-hmm. uh, which could just be, um, you know, a solution to to not win the contract, but to possibly help people in the region just travel better between Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Right. So if the goal is to genuinely help the people or help the, the government or the country there, I don't think you need to go and disrupt absolutely everybody else. You just need to disrupt the problem or the industry um, through collaboration. And uh, again, I think collaboration extends across so many other layers with universities. Uh, I think students need to be a part of this ecosystem from the conversation now. Uh, And I say this because... You know when we hired for Hyperloop, as I'm sure when you know we were hiring for Sky, we were people hire for drones or flying taxis. Mm-hmm. There's nobody who's Hyperloop certified. There's right. no masters in drones. There's no you know. There's none of this. So when you hire now, you're looking for the the next best option, which is an engineer from the railway industry or someone from aeronautics. You know, right. but um, if we're truly disrupting these existing modes of transportation, uh, is Is the education that we're providing today even going to be relevant 10 years down the line? So why not work with the Ministry of Education, not just the Ministry of Transportation, in a collaborative approach and make sure the dollar that we're spending on education and student loans today is actually valuable 10 years later? I think there should be a serious thought about bridging the gap between education and employability through a collaborative approach. Okay,
0: Joel, I also want to talk about culture. Does it play an important role? Does it have uh, uh, an impact on uh, startups? Uh, Take us to that as well.
1: Well, uh, yes and no. I think um, a place like this part of the world uh, where 90% plus are expats, there's so much cultural diversity that you can actually make it work for you because you take the best of all worlds. And you bring um, all of them together, and um, everybody brings um, a different asset to the table. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But then again, um, uh, because I'll speak for myself, since I come from India and my yeah. education is all uh, from uh, India, mm-hmm. um, there is a certain mindset that is inculcated in you which um, forms your cultural thought process. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you agree with me. When, when we were schooling or in, in, in college and university, uh, we were always told that if, if you're smart, you're going to take science. And yeah, if, you're, uh, if you don't want to study, you're going to take commerce. commerce. And if you're an absolute idiot, you're going to go to arts. <laughs> and, and, you know, unfortunately, that could, couldn't be farther from the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some of the happiest people today are people who went to arts and you know i, j- I just think um and, and it's not just the mindset what what parents tell you what the elders tell you but do you, universities are structured that way right i mean if you're 80% and above you get into science if you're between 50 and 80 you get into commerce Thomas. And, you know, arts is open to everybody. So yeah. it just says, you know, come all, <laughs> even if you can't study. Yeah. But I think it's just such a wrong belief because there are so many people that I remember from school and college who were the most creative people who were, um, you know, just very, very creative and wanted to do something um, that was disruptive all the time, right. who have settled for desk jobs as engineers or who've become doctors uh, Mm -hmm. that you know is are also great professions but it's just something that probably wasn't for them but because they were you know bringing good grades home Mm -hmm. it it was just painted that that was the only option for them because um, anything else would be a step down and I just think um, it's completely wrong I just think that shouldn't be um, the case at all And uh, I have a younger brother uh, as well who's now um, just graduating. Mm -hmm. And it's still the case. You know, it's still where now with everything artificial intelligence and blockchain um, and, um, you know, all of this being the buzzwords, um, every student and every kid thinks that's the way to go. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, you know, um, if someone wants to go and write or paint or um, become a singer, you know these things aren't talked about, and yeah. these things are looked at hobbies or yeah. or you know just something that you do in your free time over the weekend. Right. And um, I don't know why it's still not a conversation. You know, I'm I'm a huge fan of um, the concept of universal basic income. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, there's there's positives and there's negatives. There's a lot of skeptics about it, but but I think. That on some level, if done right, um, it could encourage um, people to truly find happiness in what they do. So again, getting back to culture, culture you know that's yeah. why uh, people with this mindset it it sticks with you because even today, uh, when you leave a place like India and you come abroad, and um, there are people here who've um, you know done a, a fancy master's degree in science and you've done something in commerce, you still consider them superior to you in some ground just yeah. because they've got that degree. But it could be a completely different story in the work environment in terms of productivity or actual, you know, execution on the job. Mm-hmm. But it dictates payroll, it dictates titles, it dictates, um, you know, first come, first serve in uh, in, in many levels. Right. So um, culturally, I think it, it needs to be it needs to go way back into how it has been communicated to you Mm. and um, again i think education needs to play a major major role in that parenting needs to play a major role in that
0: right so Joel, let's talk about the tips to get us ahead in the startup industry
1: (laughs) unfortunately there's no (laughs) one size fits all in uh, in the startup world yeah but um see i think um you know startups aren't for everybody Okay. But um, if you can find happiness in what you do for a living, um, that is um, fantastic. You know, that is a life well lived. And um, I, can, I can see the glow on your face with the podcasting that you've done now. Thank you. And um, I'm sure on some level, um, this gives you a lot of happiness in being able to pursue this. And there's a lot of people out there who want to pursue something that they think they're good at or, you know, can be great at possibly. So my tip would be, you know, find some time or some room to be able to follow that. You know, um, you're better off knowing you failed than never finding out. And again, like, you know, we started earlier where you don't need to give up uh, something that's paying the bills, especially after... Uh, amidst a pandemic world where people are losing their jobs i think having a stable steady source of income is an absolute blessing and if you have that uh hold on to it but at no point should it dictate everything else in your life for the next 10 years you know i yeah. think you should i've seen a lot of my friends who've uh stuck by the book and done everything right and um, you know ticked all the boxes that are expected out of you with Um, a bank balance and savings and property and, um, you know, married at the right age, kids at the right age, uh, a great job, fancy title, but just aren't happy because they think they could have done something earlier if they made a decision 10 years ago on Mm -hmm. something else. Um, That being said, I think with startups, it's still never too late. You know, I've also known people who are in their 50s and have just got together with a a classmate over a reunion years later and said, hey, you know, do you want to do this? And they've done this over weekends. And that startup is now uh, making several hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, you know, and they're doing really well. Again, you know, I don't think um, each one has their own uh, agenda behind why they want to get into the startup world, uh, money being, you know, probably one of the most prominent ones. Nothing wrong with it. But... um, if you're, if you're doing it for the right reasons to find happiness and just being able to dictate your own time, being able to do um, something that you love, um, I think absolutely everybody should give it uh, a shot mm-hmm. and pursue that one thing that they think um, is is going to make them happy on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, um, I, I always think you should have something that you want to wake up for the next day. Mm-hmm. And if you look forward to a Monday Rather than a Friday night, I think you're doing what you really like for a living. That's nice.
0: Okay, so based on what you said, uh, what drives you, Joel?
1: <laughs> so um, I've had the fortune of uh, meeting some really good people okay. um, at a very early stage in my uh, life, and I would be a case study for someone who's I I didn't get my masters done. I got my graduation in a in a commerce background. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was absolutely horrible with grades in, in throughout my schooling and my university as well. I just could not relate to um, the education system. And uh, I still managed to um, do something right where a lot of these um, huge companies um, thought I'd be a value add. Okay. So um, I was fortunate to have worked with some of the brightest minds on the planet and contribute to their journey in some way. Um, over this period... I was able to find uh, what drives me, uh, which is um, on, on the front of sustainability. Sustainability is, again, a, a huge word, and uh, there's so many areas around it. So um, I'm more focused on uh, sustainability in, um, in, in innovation through mobility which Mm -hmm. is basically, um, you know, electric vehicles, um, you know, ensuring uh, effective carbon emission control. And um, on the other front, um, what drives me is um, sustainability through uh, food wastage, Mm -hmm. which, uh, again, is something that I'm pursuing um, through the likes of companies like Kind Earth, and uh, several other companies that are focused on ensuring um, the right supply chain of food from um, producing to um, consumption and uh, disposal as well. And that ranges across several other areas, again, uh, of you know how food is consumed. So I turned vegan uh, oh, four years ago. It was nice. a personal choice. Um, I think it was one of the best decisions that I made um, personally because of health and several other reasons. But, um, yes, I mean, um, if uh, I can make one impact, it would be um, either on the sustainability front or um, a slight contribution towards ensuring um, the education system has a slight uh, change in what we've been doing for the last for a for a good portion of the last century. I just think education isn't a one size fits all, you know, people learn differently um people adapt differently mm-hmm. um i learn better through podcasts than through reading yeah um, you know i'm i'm better off um adapting towards a practical approach uh, in education rather than studying uh, you know from a book and playing a memory game about what i can write best the following day in, a, in an examination paper so i, I don't think uh, it's a one size fits all I think um, we need to identify early on Mm -hmm. uh, what someone's uh, natural instinct is towards uh, learning and improvising, and um, the education system uh, needs to be tailored accordingly. Um, And, you know, a lot of things I feel, you know, are either outdated or probably aren't for everybody. For example, I, you know, why don't I ask you, when when was the last time you used uh, trigonometry? I never, I guess. <laughs> so uh, I, I remember <laughs> racking my brains for years on sine theta, cos theta, and all of that oh, yeah. for forever. Still never understood it, but just managed to scrape through Same, and, and never ever used it once in my yeah. life. See. Nobody ever asked me anything about the Pythagoras theorem ever and
0: nobody today also does that
1: (laughs) but you know i'm sure it's beneficial to some people maybe maybe architects or you know i don't know but i just don't think why i don't see why everybody had to do it for so long and for so many years and uh one of the most interesting conversations i had recently uh with one of the professors was where um everything is going um automated and tech savvy is is the new in right now Mm -hmm. so um you know, when you fill a form and you tick uh, next to language proficiency, you tick can read, write and speak. Uh, there is a possibility that we won't have uh, the option of ticking writing because it's no longer going to be a necessity. Uh, mm-hmm. I think writing is going to be a form of art, like calligraphy is today. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, because a lot of people don't write anymore. They they type right. uh, either on a laptop or a touchscreen phone. Mm-hmm. So writing again, is, is a debate. Is it, is it absolutely necessary spending all those years trying to perfect your cursive handwriting? Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe you could spend that time learning to communicate in another language instead. So there's all of this on the education front that, again, drives me. And yeah. if I can make a small impact in some way, okay. um, I'd be happy to. Okay you you've been in
0: consulting as well uh, right. how can people reach you and uh, reach out to you in terms of uh, getting to know startups and just saying this is what I'm do could you give me an advice or you know is there some way that they can reach you your website or a kind of a uh, email or something if you're willing to share that
1: Absolutely so I'm I'm really active on LinkedIn Okay it um, it sort of outlines everything that I have done um, okay. In the past, um, that I'm currently involved with, and what my aspirations for the near future are. Okay. Um, my email is shared uh, okay. on a public domain there as well on LinkedIn. Okay. I absolutely am completely open to anybody reaching out to you know just have a brainstorming chat with me. Wow. Or uh, if there's any value add that I can provide, um, you know, startups, um, the the world of the startup ecosystem is what I thrive in. Okay. So if I can um, add any kind of value to anybody in this space trying to accomplish or chase a dream, uh, please feel free to reach out.
0: I will share a link in the show notes. Uh, Thank you. And uh, what is that last thing that you want to say to all those entrepreneurs out there? One take. Uh,
1: Well... I'd say, you know, 2020 was the biggest case study that nothing is permanent, nothing, uh, not everything can be predicted, and you can't be prepared for uh, absolutely everything. So um, a lot of people lost lives. And uh, if you're alive in 2021, um, it's a blessing and uh, consider it a chance to go out there and um, chase that one thing that you've always wanted to
0: Great. Thank you, Joel, for joining us on this show I'm very happy I got to speak with you and meet you after a long time yes (laughs) have a good one cheers
1: you as well thanks Joel
0: well that's a wrap on another episode on the Truly Mojo podcast where we spoke about launch and scale your startup with Joel Michael if you do have any questions do shout out on the Anchor app alternatively you can send me an email on jazzyjoel85 at gmail.com Talk to you all soon in the next episode.